right, my name's Mike Dice. I'm Elias Cepeda. Episode number four of the Extra Rounds podcast coming to you. Uh, we have a full slate today. We oh, have man. four huge guests on the show. We have uh, Anthony Rumble Johnson, who's going to be up first uh, shortly to talk about his fight at UFC 202 against Glover Teixeira. We have Glover uh, coming on shortly after him to talk about, of course, the same fight. Uh, we also have... Uh, Luke Rockhold coming on at the end of the show. And before that, we have Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, who, uh, whether he wanted it or not, his name can't not be in the news lately, uh, which is not always a bad thing. So full slate of guests coming to you today. This is going to be a guest-heavy show, and arguably, I think, our biggest lineup since our first episode, yeah, right could, before 201. Could be. I mean, to have four guests, have we had, this is the first time having four guests in one show, so that, that yeah, alone, that's right? that's true. That alone is huge, and that's I love true. when we have, like we did with before 201, I love when we have uh, two opponents on the same show talking about the fight. That's, that's pretty cool, so I'm excited. And uh, this was like the last weekend uh, with no UFC fight for like two months, so we don't have a fight to recap, so which allows us to go straight into these interviews. But uh, next week, even though we will be touching on UFC 202, we have a full slate of guests lined up for that one as well. A lot of Bellator 160 fighters uh, talking about that fight Friday. So uh, let's get right into it. We do have a couple of topics that we wanted to talk about before getting into the Gotta interviews. Gotta go into this craziness. And it's everybody's favorite. It's the, if it was a song. It would be the song of the summer. <laughs> USADA. USADA owns the summer. So, first thing. Or botched the summer, one of the two. Yeah. Ruins. <laughs> it's, like, it's like when the kids go to the camp, and uh, the summer camp, and like there's some serial killer on the loose tormenting them all. That's like USADA. It's like USADA and the scream mask with the knife. Like, Watch out, USADA's behind the, that door. And the kids running away are UFC events. <laughs> and, and Brock Lesnar. Yeah. So... Uh, first thing we wanted to talk about when it came to USADA yeah. was uh, Tim Kennedy. Oh, yeah. This is amazing. For Ooh. those of you who don't remember, he was a special force. Well, I get confused with military terms. So I know he trained with You're Rangers. Yeah, he trained with Rangers. I believe he's special forces. I, these guys will kill me if I get it wrong. Put it this way. He's an elite, active military, member of our military who's been, who's been in combat in addition to being a top UFC middleweight. So he's got guns is where I'm, is where I'm going with this. He knows how to use them, which oddly leads yeah. into this story. And it's not a rare thing. Of course, Brian Stan's like yeah. a notable name. There's, you know, there's the crossover there, and there's a lot of teaching in martial arts methods, whatever. But the gun situation. <laughs> so Usada, Usada, uh, you know, goes and does unannounced drug testing. Good idea, right? You don't necessarily want to let people know who may or may not be using drugs when you're coming. Then it's not random. Then maybe they can plan for it. Tim Kennedy hasn't fought in a while since his controversial loss to Yoel Romero. But he's coming back. He says, I'm, I'm fighting again. So unless you're Brock Lesnar, that means you've got to go under uh, drug testing again. Um, and uh, <laughs> unless, you're <Brock> <laughs> unless you're Brock Lesnar. And, uh, and uh, Tim Kennedy had uh, USADA drug tester show up at his house. Again, he didn't know that. So Tim Kennedy got on this week and, or this past week and said, hey, um, I, I showed up at home. There was a car in my, on my property. I didn't know who they were, why they were there. Uh, and Tim Kennedy is a cautious, skilled man and uh, pulled a gun out on this person and, and asked them to identify themselves. Hey, listen, 
That, it, I don't know the circumstance exactly. That may not be an unreasonable thing to do. Uh, Tim Kennedy, I, I'm assuming, was, was at home in Texas when he did this. Turns out, according to Tim Kennedy's account, that, that the, USADA, the, the person who was uh, on his property was an USADA a drug tester there to get a sample. So, listen, uh, Tim Kennedy may have found the secret way to... To influence drug tests. No, I'm sure he had no intention of doing that. But hey, man, be careful who you sneak up on. If you're not a drug tester, I like I like you trying to maintain the integrity. But uh, I don't know, man. I don't want to go snooping around Tim Kennedy's house without him mm, knowing yeah. who I am. I'm not trick or treating at Tim Kennedy's. <laughs> but here's the thing. First, first, you saw that person shouldn't have been waiting in the driveway. Yeah, I agree. Like, come circle around, come back later. You know, park on the street the public street why not uh, don't be sitting on its like front door i mean i would be thrown off by that too now i probably wouldn't carry a gun and like confront you but the other thing about this is is like do you think this is true or do you think this is like a fabrication oh, i can Tim only Kennedy's hope mind? i can only hope that it is i think it's a real possibility that a man who makes uh katie perry parody videos uh may have just made this as a joke oh but i hope i hope it's real I hope not that I wish any any terror on Osada drug tester per se, but uh, but I don't know, man. Maybe uh, reconsider your your career choices when you, when you've got to go watch people urinate and then you have drugs pulled uh, guns pulled on you. The other big thing is uh, John Jones posting on his Instagram, and uh, for those of you who don't know, I believe his Instagram is private now. So if you weren't following him already, you can't see this. Um, let's see if we can actually pull up the audio for you to listen yeah. to let's see and luckily the whole internet has gotten used to john jones posting things and then yeah. and taking them i don't off. know why he bothers deleting it it's already <laughs> it's already on youtube by the time he's thought about deleting it he's he's a marketing genius uh, him and donald trump should host like seminars you know, for how to maximize social media you know media. like that shared memories um yeah oh let me there we go that's a good call let me go to that one you know like uh, on facebook you have that memories yeah, uh, right. And like, it'll right. bring up, it brings up like old posts. And <laughs> old then I'm always like, ugh, delete that. <laughs> All right, this is John Jones, uh, his Instagram video. So let's play the audio for you. How's it going, Bones Jones supporters? If there are any of you guys still out there, I just wanted to take a few seconds to say hello to you all. And to give you a little update on how I've been doing, been doing really good, been training, spending time with family, attacking some of these legal issues that I've gotten myself into, I'm trying to really just leave that all behind once and for all. I'm sure you guys are curious about what's going on with this USADA situation. Obviously, I can't get into it because it's still pending, but um, what I can say is that we have found out lots of really good news, and I am expecting to be back in the octagon really soon. Um, Thank you guys for, for your uh, continued support. Um, love you guys, and I hope you are spending this Sunday with people that you love. All right. Be good, and I hope to see you guys really soon. Bye. That actually prompted you and I to come in the studio. You're like, you know what? I haven't seen Mike Dice this weekend. I've, I've i got to like, take John Jones' advice and be with, with the people I love most. John Jones is so right. I left the wife behind and came, came here. We both left our, <laughs> my, your wife, my fiance. That's right. We're like, sorry, we got to go find the people that really mean this. And his name's Elias. Um, so he says, notable thing, of course, that he said he got good news. Good news. Um, and that 
he will be returning to the cage soon. And the, the other throwaway thing in there is that he's been working on rectifying some legal situations, which, as we know, he uh, came to a plea deal for the drag racing charge, which is most likely what he's referring to Probably. in that regard. But uh, he's he's got good news, and he's ex- going to be in the cage soon, which means that whatever his uh, defense was, which we don't really know, I don't believe. I think everybody assumes he's going with tainted supplement, right. but I don't know if that's actually if we actually know that yeah. officially. Right. Um, that maybe something came back and that it was a tainted supplement, which would be incredible. Now, here's the thing that always interests me about um, about the tainted supplement argument is that then once you find out you violated a drug test, you have to go to the store or whatever and buy uh, the whatever supplements you're taking yeah. to then turn them in and see, like, are any of these tainted right. that aren't supposed to be matching the labels or whatnot? And if they are, that's how they cooperate, right? I'm explaining that correctly. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, to the extent that they ever even go through that effort, that's when they have, that's exactly what they're trying to do, yeah. So my thought on this was, is that, so like I, for those of you who don't know, I have Crohn's disease. It's not a big deal. But, well, I don't want to say that because there's probably people who have severe uh, cases of sure it's disease a big deal and it someone. is a big deal to yeah. them. I don't think of it that way. Anyways, um, I have to take a, dr- a drug every two weeks. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like a self-injection or whatever. And it comes with a batch number. And I have to keep the uh, paper. You have to peel this paper off to access what's like a, it's like an EpiPen kind mm-hmm. of. Um, and you have to keep it. And on that number has a lot number. So, like, if something goes wrong or if you have a bad reaction, they know which lot number it came from. Interesting. So, if you're, if you're a UFC fighter and you're taking supplements, mm. why not save supplements? Like, uh, just, like, a little bit, like a yeah. scoop of each. And then you can, like, date it or whatever, you know, and then you just put it somewhere. And then you have, like, these, like, I, ha- I saved a small part of every supplement I took and you date the days that you took it from. That, I mean, I don't know if, like, that probably wouldn't work for your defense side of things because they'd be like, well, how do we know that this is actually what was in an unsealed Well, that's part thing? of it. That's a really good idea. Part of the reason I'm guessing that maybe if they haven't, the fighters don't do that, that they haven't is, A, that, but also that excuse has rarely ever flown before USADA, like maybe once or twice in Nevada, if I'm not mistaken. But people don't care if, A, you took something that was completely legal but not, you know, was not allowed had st- ingredients that are not allowed in, their, in, their, in the banned substance list, or B, if it was tainted. They never really gave much lenience, but lately with USADA, they seem to be... I know everyone's talking about increased drug testing, but USADA has seen a lot of people who have um, failed tests end up getting reduced sentences. So we have a lot more leniency as far as sentencing, I think, overall, in, in what I'm saying. So I don't know if it would work. Um, and also the other reason <laughs> I, I, I might say this is because I don't think there's that many tainted supplements uh, being the cause of this. If I had to venture a real guess i think people use things that are banned and so if they were if tainted <laughs> supplements was a more legitimate uh, more legit right. i was gonna say actual but actual is problem a word. Actual, is a um, word. actual problem that fighters would be taking those steps i mean but i would it's, imagine so. it's it's the deep it's like the oh, i didn't mean to tweet that i got hacked right I got yeah. hacked. that's right <laughs> exactly that that kind of defense yeah um, i mean that's what i'm that's what i'm guessing it seems a way but you're right that would be the way to go and maybe if this starts to be something that is actually like allow or used as a as, as a reason for people to get off off the hook of a test or something valid we've seen some some examples of similar ish things 
uh, in the Olympics lately or international competition and amateur level, if that becomes like a more common thing, maybe we'll see it more structured and, and we can, and that would be good too, you know? Uh, but yeah, I think a lot of it is, is really a lot of it all, with athletic commissions has always been pretty informal and now it's much more informal. Oh, John Jones, John Jones says he has good news. That's great. We're not aware of that because it's not public information like it would be. And it is when it's athletic commissions, um, you, they have hearings, you know, for the most part, we we're aware of like, this is the testimony. This is some evidence. So such as it is that's being brought now, all this stuff is being negotiated. Nick Diaz, Nate, Nick Diaz stuff is being negotiated with with, with Nevada. Uh, you know, John Jones apparently is being is negotiating something with USADA. So, uh, Yo Romero is um, as well. It's a very strange situation. So you think it's a negotiation from John Jones' side of things as opposed to some test or something validating? Well, I don't theory. know, but it could be. Like it could. I mean, uh, we've seen that in the past. I mean, hopefully, it's just like yeah, like you said, some scientific tests being validated. But I will say this: it would be nice if if we were privy to that as well. And if we're not up to this point as it happens, which we should be, the public we'd better be afterwards like USADA better come out with a lot of documentation for the public so we know what happens I would imagine that they would have to before he were to ever fight you know have to is a is a is an interesting thing because they're not governed by anyone but the UFC who pays them so we'll see I mean I guess have to is the wrong word they don't have to I guess but it seems like they would I would hope so like I would hope why if you had something that could you know like it was a tainted supplement or this or that that uh, cleared his name and allowed him to resume. I think as the UFC, you would put that out there. I, I hope so. They, there's been very little opacity with, with past situations, though. Um, but, um, when the UFC self-regulated and had the testing issues with Kung Lee or with Yoel Romero, it just kind of comes out like, oh, we found, you know, we've come to these terms. So I hope. I, but I think it would be a diversion. Or like a, it, would be, it, would be a, it would be a departure from what they've been doing, which is not a whole lot of, uh, transparency or explanation after the fact, but you're right. I think they should. I think it's up to us, I guess, to like demand it or ask for it. So, what what is your initial reaction hearing what John Jones has <laughs> to say in that? It basically that I'm assuming it's a either something like that, some 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 validation or investigation and secret has been going on and involving some testing and, and, and that's happened. I doubt it's that. That type of stuff is expensive. They're already, you know, they're not a lot of money is being dropped relative to what could be. Um, and I don't think it's happening now. What I would imagine, uh, my guess would be that they've been negotiating. I think the the specter of John Jones's excuse having some uh, merit, whatever it might be, like you said, we're not really aware of, it is, what, of what it is, I think could prompt USADA and the UFC to say, all right, well, here's, here's a six month sentence that goes back to that initial time. And, you know, we, we, you know, when you, this fight week in UFC 200, and then that would be pretty soon. That's what I would, that's what I would guess has happened is that the specter of John Jones's argument, possibly just drawing out the fight. He's one of the few guys that probably still has the money to actually battle for a while. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think they want that. Yeah. It's like, if he, but the other side of that is like, if any fighter could fight yeah. a drug suspension through the appeal process, and like you said, the, trying to prove that a taint supplement was tainted or whatever is expensive. Mm-hmm. He's one of the few who could has the resources to actually do that and clear right. their name. You know, Chad Mendez had to just basically be like his thing was, if I'm remembering correctly, that it was a it was a. He took a supplement. He didn't know that it had an ingredient that was banned or yeah. something like that. And right. he was like, he basically was like, I'm going to man up and take 
you know, the, uh, the punishment, you know, like I didn't know, I didn't do anything intentionally, but what can I do about it? But he doesn't have the financial resources that John Jones does. No, and John Jones has already used that, I feel, as like a th- successfully threatened regulators or in the past like we did with Nevada back when um, with, with his whole cocaine positive test um, during training camp. The, the, the narrative that was pushed out there was that, oh, we as the Athletic Commission messed up. We weren't supposed to. And in fact, they were pushing it further. We weren't allowed to test him for that. I went through Nevada code, and they absolutely ha- had the right to test him for um, for cocaine, as they did, they had the the right to, to to take disciplinary action. I went on and I spoke with commissioners, and they they agreed that they w- that they had the right to take action against them, but they didn't really want to go through that trouble. And that was preceded by John Jones saying publicly, and "I'm talking to my lawyers about this and seeing say I, I think they messed up in some way." <laughs> these these commissions uh, don't have big budgets, and USADA works for the UFC, so we don't have a lot of real teeth and regulation mm. a lot of a lot of independence even if they have the, the the good intention they don't have the resources i think to really do it interesting well that's all that's going on in the world of usada if we're to believe john jones he's coming back maybe that madison square garden fight happens after yeah. all i mean i'm fine with that by the way like i'm fine with that i don't want john jones like locked up in a cell somewhere forever because maybe he took something it's just i think there's weird inconsistencies in the, in the, in the system you know you know like, like and for me you know, I don't want somebody who's been using PEDs to circumvent the system either, but I also don't want to see John Jones on the shelf for two more years. Sure. You know, we already, he already sat on the shelf for a year. We don't want to see him, uh, you know, don't want to see him on the shelf for another two years. Um, also, as we talked about, the sobriety angle with him uh, relates to me on a personal level and uh, makes him more compelling to me. Like, I always thought John Jones was a magnificent fighter and I enjoyed watching him. Um, but I don't know that I have favorite fighters or that fighters that I particularly cheer for or root for, but I feel like John Jones story made him more compelling to me. Um, made it him more interesting to follow or watch or listen, talk at a press conference or how he was uh, handling things because I can relate to that. So he made himself more compelling to me in that regard. Um, and I think it's an interesting storyline that we, um, don't always see play out, you know, like you see in NFL people get they get suspended for 10 games They kind of disappear and they come back, you know, think about all the stuff with Johnny Manziel or um, You know other notable names like Tyron Matthews a good person who battled addiction and he's come back and done really well with the Arizona Cardinals, but uh, it, It's just been interesting to see him go through the two processes at, at the same time Um but that's a conversation for another day. All right. Yeah, so. it's a good one. I, I think it does. And I think that's something that um, it, it's not a it's not a good thing. But I think John Jones, you know, if there's any positive, it's it's maybe people seeing that, you know, a spectacular athlete is, is human and that, you know, he's going through struggles. That a lot of other people do. And it's yeah, it's, it's how he handles it. And hopefully he sees and hopefully people see um you know, see something compelling and inspiring in him if he does well, and hopefully he draws support from from people. Not, not you know, again, I, we're mixing things a bit. Like, I'm not saying he has some PED issue, but definitely has other issues. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you on that. Well, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. You know there's going to be a press conference on Wednesday, mm-hmm. and you pretty sure Dana White's going to be standing right between Connor and Nate. So you, you know somebody's going to ask a question about it. Hey. Maybe that'll be my question. But. There you go. Yeah, because you'll be in Vegas, yeah. baby. Maybe, we'll see if somebody beats me to it, though. 
Um, you could just always do what most journalists do and just repeat the questions already been asked. Reword it. <laughs> Reword it. <laughs> this is a subtweet to end all subtweets <laughs> in verbal form. All right. Well, uh, I'm told that we have our first guest on the line, uh, Anthony Johnson, who fights uh, Glover Teixeira in the co-main event of UFC 202 and what's kind of become a light heavyweight number one contender about joining us by phone. Uh, Anthony, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to us. Uh, we know you're really busy. Um, first of all, how was the jaw healing up? You had a broken jaw, you had an injury. How's that healing up? Oh, good, man. I just, I just left the dentist right now. Um, that's when I was a little late for, for everything, you know, for the phone call and all that. But, uh, now I got that million dollar smile, so I'm good to go. (laughs) (laughs) That's good to hear. Was, uh, this fight's been delayed, uh, was supposed to be in Chicago, has the delay been beneficial for you? Has it been a hindrance to start training camp and delay it, the back and forth? Um, I mean, there was a little bit of both. I mean, it gave me more time to train, but it's, this is basically the longest camp I've ever had, you know? So, it, you know, you having, you know, 12-week camps and stuff like that, that's it's, it's hard, man, being in the gym that much, grinding, you know what I'm saying? So... It was tough, you know what I'm saying, grinding that much, but it also helped me because I, 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 you know, had plenty of time to perfect my craft. Now, uh, Daniel Cormier said after UFC 200 that he viewed the winner of this fight as the number one contender and the person that he would fight next in his next title defense. Uh, Dana White basically came out and said the same thing. Just knowing that, or just knowing your path to the title or what that path is does that help you focus or add extra motivation um i do my best to stay focused regardless if it's a title shot or not so i mean it really doesn't matter to me but it definitely uh gives me uh makes me put you know a little bit more gives me a little bit more pep in my step you know what i mean knowing that the title shot is you know potentially 15 minutes away from whenever i step into the cage all right, Anthony, I, I, I was at your last fight, and you won, and you're on another win streak here. After you won, you were exiting uh, the, the cage, going to the back. I was there in media row, and you shouted at, and maybe it was some individuals, but it was definitely at, seemed like it was at least at, at, at all of us there. Uh, you, you were revved up. You seemed angry. You said, write something good. Uh, why were you upset, or why are you upset, if you still are, with uh, members of the media? the truth i mean the media i mean it's a lot of bullshit in the media really you know um you know usually the media journalists whatever you want to call yourself they they want the the best story they want the juiciest story so they get the most hits so they get you know all the they get the most traffic coming to their story you know what i mean and uh i just seen a couple of guys you know say say some stuff and seem like they always want to be negative but they and they barely want to be positive and i'm like this sport we, we fight each other right and a lot of people already see it as you know i should say i don't want to say not good people but they see us as you know animals really sure. you know what i mean Cause a lot of people think that you know just because we fight in the cage that we're just wild 
these same guys that fight in the cage, they think we're these same guys outside of the cage. They think we always have an attitude. They think we're always mad or mean or something like that. When that's not the case. You know, 90, 99% of the fighters that I know, you know, they 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 only have their own off switch. So, I mean, write something good, too, if you want to write something bad. Make sure you get both sides of, 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 of who you're talking about instead of just trying to be one-dimensional and speak negative most of the time. Well, sure. I mean, I think I think that's fair. We got to tell well-rounded stories. I mean, was it? Were you upset that people were were writing or talking about um, domestic violence situations? You had allegations. You had one conviction. Um, was it just that you felt they were only telling, I mean, talking it was about that? Everything. It wasn't just one specific thing. It was mm. just everything. You know what I mean? So I mean, I wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't one specific thing. Like I said, it was just everything, and I, I called them out on it. You know what I mean? Regardless. Of who it was, because who, 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 the people that know who I'm talking about, they looked directly at me. They looked at me, for, honestly, they looked at me for a split second, and when they saw me make eye contact with them, they looked away. So they knew who I was talking about. And, uh, I mean, that's fine, you know, just don't, don't, don't get up in my face and try and act like you're all cool, and then when I say something, switch it around and try and make it sound like it's, I'm being negative or I said something negative when that wasn't the case. So, I mean, I mean, it is what it is. I understand people got to get paid and whatnot and try and get these sound bites and all of that. But, I mean, well, let's be let's be real and, 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 and play fair. But at the same time, life isn't fair. Uh, clearly, that would be frustrating to anyone to feel that only the negative aspects of their life are being highlighted in or career for that matter and not the positive and actually when I was moving to Chicago uh, a player an athlete that I was um, I knew gave me some advice and said that uh, you know the Chicago media is always negative to try and be positive to stand out so I understand that so let's take a minute to highlight some of the positive things you do in your free time are there charities or community organizations you work with or or people you mentor mentor anybody <laughs> you know what I mean um I'm sure you mentor everybody in the gym you train with I, I guess I try to lead by example I, I try not to be enough ahead like most most like the, uh, like a lot of people in society these days you know because to me it seems like the world is going absolutely crazy with these killings and all of this stupid stuff you know what I mean and uh racial profiling and just this all of it just dumb you know um and as far as like you know, any any other thing, man. Like as far as being a part of the community and things like that, I like, I like, I really like being a part of like the Wounded Warrior projects and stuff like that. You know what I mean? And uh, you know, the vets and stuff. I, I really have a lot of respect for them. Why does uh, working with vets in particular stand out to you? Do you have a family member who served? Anybody that wants to fight for my freedom, I have a ton of respect for them. Um, they go out there and put it all on the line. And, uh, like, you know, a lot of people say that being a fighter, it takes a lot of heart and courage and stuff. But I'm like, I'll fight anybody any day. You know what I mean? You try to send me over to another country and talk about shoot these people and just to protect their country. I mean, I'll probably do it, but, I mean, it takes a special individual to be able to go over there and do that. You know, they're, they're fighting not for 
their freedom, but they're fighting for my freedom and, you know, our country and our in the future. So I have a lot of respect for that because it takes a lot of heart to do that. I'll tell you right now, you, you send me over there to another country and we're in war. You give me a gun, I'm shooting everything in sight. I'm not taking my thing off the trigger. All right. Since, since we're talking about it, and that's the only reason I'm going to bring this up, I'm wondering if you've seen any of the comments that Republican presidential nominee Donald Trump has made about veterans or uh, the incident that was recently where a veteran uh, gave him his Purple Heart, probably expecting Donald Trump not to accept it, and he kept it and then boasted about how it was easier to get one this way. Uh, so I was wondering if you had seen any of this or do you, if you had any thoughts about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not very political, but... At the end of the day, I'm not very political, but and but I think this is the worst, worst. I think everybody's screwed <laughs> with this case about who's going to be the next president. I think everybody's in trouble either way. You know what I mean? Because it just seems like it's a game, and it's a let's talk about you know who did what and talk talk about did what and who's not doing what instead of instead of trying to figure out what's best for the country. I mean, Hillary Clinton pointing the finger at Donald Trump saying this and saying that and Donald Trump pointing the finger at you know, it's just back and forth. It just seemed like it's just all childish and games, but I mean I'm like I said, I'm not in the politics, it's just what it sounds like to me. So it just it's just real stupid. Neither one of them are getting my vote. Okay. Uh well obviously well let's get back to the UC. Obviously you're looking to knock off a champion down the line, not this fight, but hopefully the next fight. Uh, I'm wondering if you've witnessed kind of the turnover with the belts and nobody seeming to be able to hold on to one and what your thoughts uh, about that were. I mean, it is what it is. Are you talking referring to John? No, not necessarily. Just, you know, there's been four new champions in two months. Oh, man, yeah, it's crazy. I think it's great for the sport. It leaves, the, it leaves every division wide open, man. This, uh, this sport has evolved, you know, so much. You just... Anybody can be a champion that's in, like, the top five, in my opinion. You know what I'm saying? Uh, all you need is that one lucky punch or that person who made that one mistake. And if you're the challenger or whatever, you can be the, the champion in the next five seconds. You know what I'm saying? You just never know. So I think it's great to keep the fans interested, to keep the fighters motivated, you know what I'm saying, to keep going for, shooting, going for their goals and doing the best that they can do. And, you know, it, 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 it all works out at the end of the day for, for everybody. No, Anthony, winning breeds confidence, and putting people out the way you often do has got to breed even more. You're on a win streak again. A few fights ago, though, you had a title fight, um, and despite almost knocking Daniel Cormier out, you, you lost. Now you're you're back on another win streak. I'm assuming you're, you're you're riding high with confidence, and you're close to another title fight. How long did it take you to get your confidence back up to 100%? I never lost confidence in myself. You know, uh, when I lost to Daniel, he was the, he was the better fighter that night. You know what I'm saying? Um, Daniel Daniel's a true champion. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people probably still call him the paper champ because he didn't beat John. But at the end of the day, Daniel is the champion. You know what I'm saying? He he's he's doing a hell of a job being a champion, and he's a he's a you know he's he's awesome. That's all I can say. You know. Um, I never lost, but I never lost confidence in myself. Um, 
I just kept grinding and just kept pushing. And, you know, I got my, my new coach, Neil Melanson, with the grappling and my coach, Bobby, with wrestling. And, of course, I still got my main man, Henry Hoop, you know, with my striking. And I, 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 I just sharpened up tools, man, and evolved. And, and just my confidence got higher mm. after the loss. D- Anthony, you're known, obviously, as a knockout artist, as a striker, and you're a great one. Uh, but you wrestled before you ever did mixed martial arts, before you ever did striking. Do you look at your wrestling skills as something that you got in your back pocket if people ever sleep on it too much and you may need it in a fight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always know my wrestling is there really before my striking, you know what I mean? But people are stupid enough to stand in front of me and want to strike, so that's, you know, that's their fault. Anthony, earlier before you came on, we were talking about John Jones. Now, um, I got to ask you, you know, you, you've been scheduled to face him. He was scheduled to face Cormier again. Um, he's had any number of difficulties, legal and otherwise, that have kept him out of the ring um, for a long time <laughs> over the last, or for long stretches of time over the last few years. Are, are we, should we be at the, past the point where we're all talking about where is John Jones when will he fight again will he fight again where does he fit in to the title picture and and like basically talking about all of you all in in relation to John Jones are we past the point where we need to be thinking and and, and caring so much about John Jones and and in relation to the top of the light heavyweight uh scene should we stop waiting around for him yeah I mean we just need to let it go and just keep it moving man you know don't don't need to sit back and dwell on you know dwell on what happened with him He's got to deal with the not us. So why even think about it or why even have that in the back of your head? You know, you have other guys in the division that are that are hungry and, and want and want that title too. So why why think about somebody that's really not even in the picture right now? And, and, and if he comes back, then that's when we need to focus on him and, and discuss him. And, and, and I can't say worry, but be prepared. You know what I'm saying? Because John is a hell of an athlete. You know what I'm saying? You can't defend your title, what, eight eight times or something like that, nine times or whatever, and think that, you know, think he's, uh, he's some kind of chump because he's not. So, you know, but until, until he comes back, there's no point of really, you know, giving it any thought. I feel bad for the man, and I, I wish him the best, but, I mean, we, all of us have to move on, and that's just what it is. Well, Anthony, we know you're uh, busy. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time out to talk to us. And uh, I promise you a positive article uh, coming about the love of your veteran, uh, veterans in the United States. All right. Thank you, man. No problem. All right. It's Anthony Johnson. Initial reactions. You know, he, uh, I'm glad he talked about stuff. He definitely doesn't want to talk about some of the stuff too much. Uh, he doesn't want to go into details like with um, domestic abuse um, allegations and, in fact, conviction uh, that he has. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, he says he's not mad at the media. Uh, clearly, clearly he is. And um, I don't know what it's like to be in the public uh, public eye 
like these guys. So I'm sure it's tough. I don't know what the situation is. All that we can kind of see is like what it is on paper, right? Like, you, hey, this allegation came out. You know, you pled to this and now you got a conviction for this. Like, I don't know what the situation was. Um, all we can do is look at stuff like that or look at stuff where he completely lost his uh, lost his cool on Twitter about regarding some woman in a yoga mat. So I can get why he wouldn't want to talk about it, especially with a fight coming up. But, you know, uh, people got to ask about it. I don't think this is given a lot of attention. I don't think a guy with a domestic uh, abuse conviction that was just, like, never mentioned by the UFC when continuing to fight has had too much attention put on that. But, again, he was vague. Like, I don't know what everyone writes. There are definitely journalists out there who who don't try to look at athletes as human beings and try to paint one-dimensional picture or pictures of them or who try to demonize people. And that's not never something that I don't think you and I ever try to do, even if we're critical. You know, if we're critical of a human being, we're going to be critical of a human being. We're not demonizing them. So I don't know exactly what got him upset out there, what, what was said or written by media members. Maybe he's in the right that they were completely wrong in whatever they said. It's tough to say. I, I do appreciate him talking. Um, he's, a, he's a phenomenal fighter, um, and I think he's, a, he's an interesting guy to hear from. You know, I hope everything... I hope everything continues to work out for him, you know, and, he, and he's able to just continue on this great career that he's built for himself without any other distractions or without him possibly doing any, you know, things that are wrong or that he'll regret. You know, we are always taught in journalism school to bring a fair and balanced and not let bias creep in. And I'm sure given the way digital media works today, so that's not always the case and um, that it creeps in. And he obviously seems to be, mentioning or referencing at least specific incidents right and without knowing what exactly it is like yeah. you know who knows if it's that or what you know who who knows um but it's maybe a situation where the ufc um being undercovered by mainstream media helps in that regard uh, absolutely uh it's a double-edged sword you know you want the mainstream media coverage but it, you know it it not having it also benefits at times as well you know there's a um i'm sure there's incidents in other sports that are undercovered that aren't uh you know as big as like the nfl where right. something like that would be all over the place um but you know all we can do i guess is try to keep holding people accountable when need be yeah yeah absolutely and and um and at the very least anthony's got a he did an awesome you know conversation with us he's got a you know, if he wants people to not portray him poorly, he's got to try not to, like, lash out <laughs> publicly because <laughs> that's going to be the story. You're going to make it the story, and it's maybe it's unfair because, of course, that's not all who you are as a human being. Of course. But, you know, sometimes, you know, it's worth if someone's not, you know, giving you a fair deal, just don't talk to them or, I don't know, don't make a spectacle out of it on Twitter or because we didn't know what the hell was going on. We got a, you know, 200 uh, big, you know, big dude shouting write something good you like you like why aren't you happy you just won you know but i don't know well and uh, to go to the positive yeah he uh talked about his um ability to uh or his fondness of the vets and the wounded warrior foundation yeah. and how that caused me a lot to him and having lex and stefan on last week uh that obviously strikes a chord with us yeah. um, no it's cool to hear that it's some uh, an issue that we talked about basically for most of the episode last week and uh it's nice that he um he takes an interest in that the other thing he said uh he doesn't mentor that he doesn't know that he mentors anyone i'm right. sure he mentors somebody in his gym yeah unless just, you're like he just the doesn't most view it that way right right unless you're mo the most selfish 
teammate ever. When and you're, I, when you're in a position like him, you're gonna you're you're doing you're helping some people out. I, and I'm sure he does, and yeah. he doesn't even realize that he's doing it. I would like I'm sure there's so. a young fighter in the gym who asks, and he gives some pointers here and there, and makes a big impact without even realizing he makes a big impact. You all, you, I bet so. Yeah, yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised at all. And it was it's cool to hear fighters talk about respect for for um for for war, other warriors out there and it was cool to see his humility there saying like man they're doing stuff that i don't even know what i could do and not just saying like not just guts but i felt like when he was talking about like man if i was out there i just wouldn't take my finger off the trigger i i think what he's saying is that it's a scary like a, a maddeningly scary Admitting position to be in a little bit of, of fear that yeah. would come with being in that position and what the, and exactly and the fact he's that not saying it in a, in a rambo like no um, this badass kind of way it's like, more of like the fact that these that these soldiers, uh, you know, and other service people out there don't just go crazy in a scary situation. The fact that they have the wherewithal to most of the time do their job well and have any type of tact and presence of mind it really impressed him. And I thought that was cool, you know, because, you know, everyone everyone thinks they're a tough guy, especially if they're a tough guy like he is. So it was cool to see him talk about people that he really respect and whose job daunts him. And he's kind of funny. Yeah, well, he's a funny dude, yeah. man. Stop talking stop. about the dentist and the yeah. million dollars tomorrow. Yeah, and that, uh, that works, man. When you're not when you're not throwing yoga mats and screaming at the media, you're he's an awesome, cool guy. You know, I like him. You know, he's he's been cool to me every time I've interviewed him. I think he seems like a good dude, man. Well, we got his opponent on the line, Uh-oh. so let's jump right into that. Glover, <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to us. Sorry, we're having a hard time hearing you. Let me let me check the the dials here. All right, Glover, thank you. Oh, that's the wrong knob. Thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to us. Let's try. Well, let's just push forward. Has the uh, delays, the spikes, been pushed back a couple of times? Has this been a hurdle for you, or um, is this just you know routine? Uh, I don't know. You know, we find out uh, this 20. You never know what's going on now. I mean, fight being delayed is just uh, not a month later, you know. For me, it doesn't really matter. It's the, uh, the Nate Diaz answer. Just, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, right. Find that right. Argument. <laughs> so, Daniel Cormier said he wants the winner of this fight. Dana White said, uh, or basically said, that the winner gets the title shot. Does, uh, and we asked Anthony Johnson this. Does knowing that, or knowing the path to the title goes through Anthony Johnson, does that add a little bit of extra motivation? Does it help you focus? Does it make you feel better about the future, knowing what the path is? No, man. You know, we are we're always training for to win the fight, no matter. We, we're looking, you know, forward to the title shots, for the tie. You know, we want to be a champion. Uh, you know, and this is a fight they're going to put me in there, and... Uh, I mean, this is a very important fight, you know, but uh, either way, you know, like, uh, you know, it doesn't mean I'm going to focus more or less because it's, it's going to be, a t- you know, tighter in the line or not, you know. Now, Glover, it's, it's Elias. Uh, I I want to go back a, a bit. For fans cited in Sports Illustrated, fans that uh, may not be so familiar with, with uh, all of your story, there was a period of time, in fact, a, a number of years, where you were probably considered the top prospect outside of the UFC at 205 pounds. Despite that, despite the UFC's interest and, and flat-out desire to have you fight for the UFC, there were years where you weren't able to fight in the UFC. Um, you weren't able to 
be and work in America. Um, I want to get to a little bit more into that, but just for those again who might not know, why why was that? Where for years you were you were you were kind of languishing, having to fight internationally and not in the big leagues where you deserve to be. So I had uh, you know uh, uh, paper issues, like I couldn't uh, I couldn't get back into the United States because uh, I was here legally, and uh, I had to go back to Brazil and. Uh, and work on my my green card, you know, and uh, it, that that take a little while, you know. Um, I don't know. It's just uh, the way the, the the immigration runs over here take a long time. So uh, you know, and but but all the all that time I was fighting in Brazil and uh, keep my career going. Throughout all those years, and, and it was years, Glover, was there? A- any point where you you felt as though it would never happen? You felt as though you would never be able to to get to that biggest of big stages and, and compete against the the very best in the world? No, I knew I would get back to U.S. You know, because I knew that uh, you know I'm a American, I'm a married with American citizen, but I knew that was going to happen eventually. It just uh, take a long time. Uh, I was, you know, it was a point I was worried, you know. Uh, how long it was going to take, and uh, and if that was going to be, you know, my my career down the line. You know what I mean? Like, who knows uh, if I still there to this day? And uh, you know, we get old, and uh, in a fighting game, you only have uh, you know a few years on you. You know, and it just got a little worried for a little bit. But uh, I was always think positive, and uh, it works out good. You know. It certainly has, and you're right. Fighters can't do this forever. Athletes can't do what they do forever. It's tough for me to ask you this because you are so clearly still at the top of your game and at the top of the MMA world. You're an, you're one win away from another world title fight. So clearly, you're you know as as good as anyone, if not better. But still, do you feel as though? At that time when you were younger and you weren't able to fight in the UFC for a while, do you feel as though, if you're honest, you you lost some of your 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 quote unquote prime years? Um, you know, I, I definitely like to. I, I, you know, I could be fighting uh, a lot longer in the UFC, but you know, I feel I feel pretty good right now, man. You know, I'll tell the truth. Uh, um. You know, the age doesn't affect, not yet. You know, I feel like uh, more experience and more, you know, my, I still do my conditioning and training two times a day. And uh, I still work really hard. I don't know if it's uh, because I've been doing this for so long and my body got used to it, but I uh, I don't feel that age yet. And uh, I, I guess this is a prime for a lot of UFC fighters, you know, to tell the truth. You know, if you think about it, um, uh, you know, he's still corny. He's uh, 37 now, and uh, you know, Michael Bisping is 36. He just won the title. I guess uh, if you look at this, is uh, you know, the time maybe between 30 and you know, 38, 30, I don't know, 40. You know, it depends on some people like Ben Handles can go fight in the uh, top level into 43, 44. You know, but um, I don't know. We see. I think I'm in my prime right now. I feel really good right now, and uh, that's all I'm at. So. No, obviously you you did eventually get into the UFC, and and you did fantastically. You know, you were better than probably 
most uh, outside observers even even guessed you were. Then you got a hu- you continued your your huge win streak, and you got a title shot. After going through all that, um, fighting so well and fighting so well in that fight in I think 2015 against John Jones, who was a champion at the time. You know, you gave him a great fight. You you had your moments and you went the distance. How hard was it for you to to still fall short and and not get the belt? Um, and um, yeah, I mean, how hard was it for you to psychologically come back? Because clearly you've come back. You're on another. You know, you had that fight. You lost that, and then you lost to Phil Davis afterwards. But here you are on another win streak. You you've you've rebounded. Um, how difficult was that for you to do? Well. I think I did it. I did it easy, you know. I just uh, sit down and uh, I figure what was was going on, was what I was doing wrong, you know. And uh, this is uh this is it, you know. This is a fighting game. This is a sport. Uh, you just gotta figure out what you're doing wrong and uh, and get better in situations, you know. Uh, to get back and get in top, and um, you know, I figured out like. Uh, most of the stuff was in my diet, you know, and training, you know, training way too much at a time, maybe overtraining a little bit, and uh, now I train, I'm still training hard, but it's smart, you know, it's smarter, and so, um, you know, this is a, this is it, man, this is a fight game, I'm, my head is pretty good, I just sit down and uh, I gotta figure things out, you know, like, um, gotta see what the problem is and and, and try to fix it. Glover, did you always feel as though you you'd get back to a place where you'd be in title contention again, even when you had that two fight uh, losing streak? Yeah, I'm a, I know I'm a top contender, you know, man. I know I uh, I'm a top fighter, you know. I I'm a I'm a good wrestler. I'm a good uh, jujitsu guy. I have a good striking ability, you know. I'm confident. I'm very confident in my abilities that I can be a champion. You know, it's all a matter of time, and, uh, you know, fight you can go, you know, anything that you do wrong in a camp, you know, it could change the whole fight. And, uh, but I know no matter what happened, I'm always going to be a top fighter, you know what I mean? I'm always going to be fighting with the top five contenders, and, and uh, my plan is to fix everything. To see what's uh, everything comes together and uh, weight cuts and everything, recovering, and uh, and that you know that that gonna make the difference between me putting that tight in my waist and that. And Glover, you've trained all over. You you trained at the pit. Um, Chuck Liddell went, uh, came from John Hackelman. You trained American Top Team. Um, you've also trained at home in Connecticut. Connecticut. I know you have your own gym. Are you, have you been doing this camp in Connecticut at home? Yeah, I'm yep. trying in Connecticut, my gym, you know, uh, you know, stay stay home right now, fixing everything, so it's better, it's more relaxing, it's more, you know, it's home, so I feel I feel better this way, I feel relaxing, I feel I feel good, but you know what I mean, like when they look things to say, like, you know, don't don't get too comfortable, you know, but like uh, relaxing and have a good positive energy around you and. And nothing to mess with your head. That uh, that's part of. Uh, and you know, when you wake up in the morning and you go and you work really hard, and that's the part of being a um, top top contender. You know. You mentioned not wanting to get too comfortable, and sounds like you're in a, a phenomenal environment. 
training at home with your family nearby. Um, are there any challenges to to training at home? Uh, you know, like was there was there ever a time also in your career, maybe when you were younger, where maybe this wouldn't have worked out for you, where you needed to be in a place where you would be more agitated, less comfortable, to be meaner? No, was there a time that I that started like that? You know, I'm always needed to do it because I didn't have a, you know, I didn't have the gym or or the training partners over here. But now I have my trainer living in Connecticut now. You know, as a healthy trainer, and uh, the fact that I'm training, I, I you know I open I open up a small gym and I have a a lot of guys that come from Brazil to help me and. Uh, I have a good camp going, you know, the, the thing between, like, you know, you stay at home, it's it's like uh, when camp's coming, you know, you, you just got to know what you do, you know, that's camp, you know what I mean? That's camp, you got to do, right now I'm working, I'm training, I'm not, I'm not going out doing, you know, barbecue or having fun or this or that, the friends call you to do stuff, you just, uh, you just stay focused, you know, that's why you have to separate those things. Glover, the, uh, your fight, you're fighting against Glover Teixeira here. Uh, you're fighting Anthony Johnson, UFC 202. This fight obviously has been talked and understandably been talked about as, a, as about between two knockout artists because both of you are knockout artists. Uh, but at the same time, like I, you've got amazing jiu-jitsu. I feel both of you have underrated wrestling. Do you think there's a chance that this fight also becomes a grappling battle? Well, I don't know if it's going to be a grappling battle, but, uh, you know, the fight is open over there. You know, I'm trying to take down the fence. I'm trying to take down, you know, because whatever is open, that's what I'm going for. I'm going, I'm looking forward to to beat Anton Johnson, and I, I'm not, you know, trying to prove anything. I'm just trying to prove I'm a better fighter than him, and uh, it doesn't matter how, man. You know, take him down, go to the ground, you know, jiu-jitsu. But, um you know, and uh, he, he, you know, he's in the past. He, he go for good takedowns too, and he got a, he got a very strong ground and pound. So I've been training for everything. I'm, you know, I'm always say this. Uh, I'm, a, I'm an MMA fighter. You know, I'm not have a, you know, one thing that I do better than others. I think I don't know, just uh, boxing, jiu-jitsu, wrestling. I train everything. Glover, in, in this time you've been with us, you know, in addition to talking about this matchup with Anthony Johnson at UFC 202, you've gone over, the, in short, this long, arduous journey that you had in your mixed martial arts career, at least, and the ways it's intersected with, with your life. You're very professional as well. You talk matter-of-factly about what you need to do to win, get back on track. Obviously, you're a pro, and obviously, you're, you're motivated uh, by professional goals and stuff, but... Is this still something that you love to do, the training, the competition itself, the fighting, the scrapping? Oh, yeah, man. I love to do this. You know, uh, this is something like uh, I, I like to be in camp. I, like I say, you know, I like to just to, to separate those times. Like this is the work time. I love to have fun, you know, like after the fights, you go, go, you go for a month, you train with nothing in your head, you know, you train... I'm always training, I'm always training, but like, you know, you train and don't have a, um, anything you had, you know, you go drink your beer in the bar with your friends, but I, I, 
after a month after my fights, I start missing, you know, the camp, the, the, you know, this, this, what I'm having right now, you know, having to go home and rest and, and go back and go back to the gym and train again. I still love to do it, man, you know. Well, Glover, we know you're busy and uh, you have a lot on your schedule right now. So we thank you so much for taking the time out to join us and, uh, and talk to us. Oh, thank you, man. Appreciate it. All right, Glover Teixeira. Got both heavy hitters uh, from from this UFC 202 card on, man. That was that was cool. It's cool here. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was great to hear. We, you know, we didn't either with either one of them get to talk too much uh, about the specific matchup, but I think it was enlightening. And it I was interesting hearing Glover talk about his past. Yeah, I mean, I, I never got a chance to talk with him. Um, I was curious to hear about that. He really was in a unique situation. Uh, for a lot of years and I'm so glad it's still been able to work out for him because you know there's concern like hey this guy is is out during his you know early 30s you know maybe he's he's losing his chance and he didn't lose his chance and that that was cool and uh you know I think I think he told us a lot about the the matchup though when I asked him yeah you know you're both you guys are both good grapplers maybe you guys will grapple it he's like yeah I don't know so I mean that makes people <laughs> who are watching gonna watch happy yeah they, I mean <laughs> I personally enjoy watching the grappling sure. because I like I, it's I think that's the stand-up's obviously a chess, mas- chess match mm-hmm. but I think that the ground game is too and I enjoy watching and the jockeying for position and the, the moves and you know waiting to see but I know the fans would be happy to hear that these guys both plan on going in there and just trading yeah so for, for us, if that happens if that fight's in the last 15 seconds so I, I don't know who to win who will win but someone will go down if they just go toe-to-toe and uh, I believe we have Stephen Thompson on the line. And uh, Wonder Boy. We do. Let me check. Yep. Yep. Cool. Stephen, thanks for uh, making time, man. Right, we're going to jump right in. You are the number one welterweight title contender. It's not known yet if you're going to be the next one to fight for the, for the belt. In my mind, both you and Damian Maya, who's on another, not as long as yours, but another really impressive um, uh, streak in the division, have earned title shots like a while ago. And I wish you all got paid enough where one of you could get the next title shot and the other would be, wouldn't have to financially fight again and they could wait around and, and, and then do that fight. Um, but, you know, Damian's got a fight coming up later this summer. Uh, and I know you're feeling like you're in limbo. You're not sure what's going to happen. There's mixed messages going on out there. Do you think there's an argument for the winner of Maya versus Condit getting the next title shot before you? Or are you uh, afraid that they can make you fight uh, the winner of that before you get to fight Tyron Woodley for, for the belt? I mean, you know, I'm here to fight. This is my job. And, and, and obviously I'll, you'll have to do with with the UFC's you know, want you who, who who they want you to fight, but I just feel like this is my time. Like I, I put in the work, and I'm so close. I'm here. Like this, this this shot should be mine. You know, and it, it would be disappointing if I had to fight. You know, um, just in my mind, somebody else when the the shot is right there. You know what I mean? Uh, and just because the champion wants a money fight, which is, he's not deserved, it's not deserving to him. So. Yeah, I would be a little disappointed. I mean, I was actually disappointed to fight Rory. You know, I felt I deserved the shot then. And But you know what? I went out there and did it anyway. I beat the number one guy. Now I'm here. 
uh, it's just, you know, so close. And it would stink just because Jeremy Maia is a – I mean, that, that would be a title defense right there, a good one. He is a very tough opponent, and he does his game plan very well. Uh, and he's very dangerous. So, yeah, it would be just the fact that, you know, no, you don't know what, what could happen in a fight like that. Um, and to be so close to that title shot. And if you do lose, man, you're just taking back a spot, you know. So Conor McGregor comes in and he focuses on the money fights and the money division and all this. And then Nate Diaz plays into it, saying that he's not even interested in fighting for belts. He just wants the big money fights. Uh, it's become all about money fights. And those are, of course, predicated on star power. But it's become a situation where everyone keeps going to the same pool of fighters to find a star uh, to make these money fights. Um, as opposed to going to some people and building them up into um, more stars, ultimately. Do you feel like this could be a money fight if given the shot? You have an illustrious kickboxing career. You're 8-1 in the UFC, 7 fight win streak. You could be a star if you just got the shot or the push and uh, no one's giving it to you. I, I believe so. I mean, just, just the style that I, how I fight, um, it's a very exciting style. And I, and I do believe that. You know, you got these guys like Sage Northcutt and Paige Van Zant, who, but you got better guys in the in, in the UFC who um, it just haven't been given the shot to be that star. You know, you got guys in the UFC who have better records, um, better fighters, but you have these guys that are on lower in rankings, just I don't know, being promoted differently. It's 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 kind of uh, kind of weird, you know, and 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 disappointing. I just feel like if some of these guys who are um, at the top of the game, who aren't as popular, is given a shot. Yeah, I think they could definitely make the UFC some money and, and uh, bring new people into the sport. I mean, it's evident in the pay scale. Aljamain Sterling was upset with Sage Northcutt being paid more than him early on. I mean, uh, TJ Dillashaw's pay from UFC 200 was woefully below what a former champion's uh, pay should be. Is it frustrating to see the UFC get behind some stars like Sage Northcutt or Paige Ranzan as opposed to someone who's on a seven-fight win streak in perhaps the deepest, most talented division in the sport? Yeah, man, I mean, I really haven't thought about it a whole lot. I mean, it's been brought up a lot. But, I mean, all I can do is go out there and perform the way I perform and, and, and put on a show and be respectful. And, um, uh, you know, I, of course, I, you know, I'm a head kid instructor here at Upstate Karate. And a lot, a big, huge reason why our kids' program is so big is the fact that I fight. And the parents love seeing a respectful guy out there. So it is, you can mar definitely market that. And, um, you know, just as role models for these guys. And, um, yeah, I think it definitely make the sport uh, a lot better than what it is. And, and, and that's where the sport is going. I mean, and the kids are the future, you know what I mean? So the more of those guys you got, you get in there, you pull into the martial arts, the better fighters you're going to get in the future. So, um, yeah, man, I, I do believe that. You got to go out there and, all I can do is just put on a show, man, and hopefully they'll, uh, you know, they'll recognize me for that. Steven, I want to get back to the karate piece in, in a second. Um, but you said, you, you've said that you think it's petty for Tywin Woodley to, to kind of hold on to what you said before he fought and beat Robbie Lawler about you wanting to fight Robbie. Um, he seems to have been offended by that, feeling overlooked that everyone was assuming Lawler was going to come out of UFC 201, still the champion. Uh, but you, you think it, you said it. You think it's petty. But can you a kind of understand his thought process 
uh, for being upset with everyone doubting him? And, and B, do you maybe think he's just bluffing and, and doing all this, meaning saying he doesn't want to fight you next and not going to give you the title shot? That he, he's doing all this just to kind of embarrass you on television, like when you interviewed him right after he won the title. Uh, but at the end of the day, he'll, he'll still fight you. Yeah, man, that's what I'm hoping. I mean, I mean, just the fact that he's not taking this fight has got the fans kind of riled up, and and uh, it it will promote itself. To be honest, I mean, I think it's it's gotten a lot of attention just the fact that he's said, he's saying no. So let's say he does say yes, let's take the fight. I think everybody's going to want to tune in at Madison Square Garden to watch that. You know, um, that could be a possibility. Well, that's definitely uh, something we tune into. I uh, wouldn't say no to that. I- now let's let's take a different angle here. So let's let's say Tyron isn't bluffing and he does not want to fight you next. Like he's telling the truth. Do you th- do you imagine Stephen? And I know you're just I'm asking to, to put yourself in another man's mind and shoes. But if you could uh, kind of indulge me here, do you imagine if that ends up being the case that he's simply looking for one of these gigantic existing names out there, like the St. Pierre fight? George St. Pierre is coming back, it seems, or Nick Diaz, who's who's uh, a big name in his office suspension. Do you think he's just maybe searching for that immediate, easy, big, not easy fight, but easy money in the sense that those guys have already had the marketing dump for them over the past decade? Or, or do you think that if he avoids this fight with you, he specifically wants to avoid this style matchup with you? Maybe both. I know that he's a champ, and I know he's trying to make as much money as possible being the champion. So he's going to hold on to that belt as long as he possibly can, you know? And uh, trying to make the big bucks as you know as fast as he can in a money fight for him. I mean, that's what he's shooting for. It's, but for somebody to ask for something like that, you definitely have to earn that. I know he's earned it by knocking Robbie Lawler out in the first round, but you know, defend that title a few times. All right, you know what I mean. I mean, before you start asking for that, it's just like uh, it just seems weird that you can just you know have the belt on for 30 seconds and already ask for a money fight. Uh, you had a lot of people giggling about that. <laughs> you, you, earlier you talked about your family's karate school. Of course, your father um, taught you and still coaches you, and you all have um, um, school there in, in South Carolina. Uh, that's, that's incredibly renowned. And now, in the past, you and I have, have talked uh, at length about technique. And, and um, for this audience now, uh, I was curious if you could talk about your development from karate, your guys' style of karate, to kickboxing, and then from kickboxing to MMA, there's a lot of adjustments that I'm sure you had to do from style to style to style, type of rule set to type of rule set. Um, what were some of the key things you had to adapt uh, in your style and in your, in your fight style, whether it was footwork or your stance, what what have you? Yeah, it was it was kind of difficult, and it took a long time for me to actually figure it out. You know, I started the martial arts when I was three, and my background was kimbo karate. I usually competed point point sparring tournaments like every weekend and I probably lost more than I won but my my main goal was to fight full contact kickboxing when I was fighting point fighting I was just trying to get used to competing in front of a lot of people but that's when I was 12 years old I started my full contact kickboxing training because my dad fought back in the 70s and 80s and my sister fought before me so I was at 12 I was my sister's sparring dummy for a very long time Um, and then you know I had my first fight when I was 15 years old um, fought a guy who was 20 and 0, and uh, ended up just beating the brakes off him. And you know, at the time, I was training with world champions here at Upstate Karate. My dad's trained, you know, champions for a very long time. 
And um, so I got I got fairly good, fairly, you know, pretty quick. And um, so I got up to 57 and 0 in kickboxing. Ended up tearing every ligament in my left leg. So I was out for three years. And at that time, you know, I was training with George St. Pierre, and he was bringing me in for his camps. You know, uh, Carlos Condit, uh, Thiago Alves, BJ Penn, you know, for all these camps. And um, so he was kind of my inspiration to switch from kickboxing to mixed martial arts because I was training with these guys. So I was like, man, you know, why not switch over? I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the fastest growing sports in the world. In kickboxing, I've done everything I pretty much could in kickboxing. So, um, yeah, man, so sparring with him, the footwork had to be a little bit different. I had to lower my stance because I had to I had to defend against the takedown. I had to worry about that. And he was the first guy to actually, you know, he was just taking me down left and right. He was waiting for me to blitz, which a lot of times I've modified that as well. Instead of blitzing straight in, I kind of blitz off to the side. It makes it harder for those wrestlers to shoot in on my legs. So there's a lot of things. And when I first, you know, was asked to fight in the UFC, I was going to turn it down because I felt like I wasn't ready. But my dad was like, listen, son, you know, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and they may never call again. So, you know, just go out there and have fun, make the best of it. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that. And then after, after obviously, I, I won my first fight. And after my second fight with Matt Brown, I knew exactly what I had to work on. A, I had to get my weight cut down. B, it was my it was my wrestling. So I found the best guys, tried to surround myself with the best guys, best jiu-jitsu guys, the best wrestlers. You know, as my buddy uh, Matt Miller, uh, Coach Tom, our wrestling coach here, uh, Chris Weidman, who's just taking me to another level. And, you know, I'm constantly working on it. So I'm getting better every day and trying to improve every day, which is why you see a lot of champions, a lot of guys at the top of the game, just kind of die off very quickly because I think their mindset's not right. They're at the top, and they feel like, I don't know, maybe what they're doing is enough, and they're not continually, you know, coming into the gym with an empty cup, trying to learn and um, get better every day. But that's where I am, and I, I keep, you know, positive people and good guys around me just to, you know, keep me focused on that. So, uh, yeah, man, it, it, it's definitely a journey, and I'm, I think I'm getting better, and uh, you're going to see a better Stephen Thompson every time I step out there. And you talked about training with Georgia St. Pierre and uh, his influence on you and playing a role in getting you into the sport. Uh, his name keeps getting thrown up by seemingly everybody. You know, maybe you get the Woodley fight next and you win the belt. He has a tuna fight. If some something happens, if this fight against him ever came up, would you take it? Man, I don't know, man. He's a really good friend of mine, and he's the reason how I stepped in. He's a big, he was, a, he still is a big role model for me. You know, for mixed martial arts, and you know, for me, I would say no. But you know what? If George was like, hey, you know what? I, I wouldn't mind fight you. I would be like, you know what? It would be a friendly matchup, I, you know, just like Roy. I mean, I've known Roy for a long time, too. But, you know, he's actually in the game, and we're at the top of the game, and sometimes you got to face each other. But, um, you know what? For me, I, I would say, nah, man, George is, George is the man. You know, he, he's definitely um, – ha, he, he has my respect. And, um, uh, you know, if, but if you if asked him and, and he said, yeah, well, it would be a friendly match, man. I, I, would, say, I would say yes as well. And obviously, getting the title shot is on your mind. It, defending the title against you doesn't appear to be on Tyrone Woodley's mind. Uh, what does it say to you that a champion uh, could have want to avoid fighting the best in their division? You know, it, it, it's just disappointing to have a champion act like that. You know, I feel like if you're at the top of the game, if you are the guy with that belt, you should face the guy that's that's in front of you 
You know, fight that number one guy. Fight that, that number two guy. Um, defend that title a, a, a few times before you start asking what you want. Um, you know, and, of course, if I was in his shoes, I would be I would be wanting to fight that next best guy. And, of course, I got people around me who would smack me around and say, no, you're not going to do that. You're going to fight the best. My dad being that guy. <laughs> you know, it's just about, I just think, the fighting fight game and the martial arts is about honor and integrity. And, um, you know, you're not you're not seeing that sometimes in, in mixed martial arts. Um, you know, it's just an honorable thing to fight to fight the number one guy, fight the guy who, who deserves it. So that's just Steven, I've talked with you in the past, and you've always been upfront and honest, breaking down fights. Um, like you've said, things like, hey, this is a tough matchup for me um, in different situations. Um, you're on a ridiculous win streak right now, and the people you're beating are, getting, are better and better. Are you starting to feel like, man, you know what? I'm really on point, and I consider myself as the favorite against anyone in the world right now. You know what? As a fighter, um, you, that's something that you have, the, the mindset you have to have stepping out there. You know, you don't, of course, I, I always like to say I, I want to go out there and, and uh, just do the best I can. But in my head, as I'm stepping out there, I know that I have put in the work and I'm confident enough in my skills uh, to defeat my opponent. And that's how I am. That's, that's the mindset you have to have going into any fight. You know, you, um, yeah, so, so for me, I am the best. I am the best in the division. Um, sometimes I, uh, I'll, I'll say that, you know, because I'm a, I'm a respectful guy and I want to go out there and I do. I just I try and give it the best I, I've got uh, every time I step out there. But confidence is, is very big and um, for me, and um, I'm confident I can beat anybody in the division. Steven, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out to talk to us. Um, we appreciate you so yeah. much joining the show. Uh, you had a lot of interesting things to say. No worries, guys. I appreciate you guys having me on, so hopefully we can do it again. Oh, absolutely we will. Hopefully when he gets his next fight, whatever it is, it'll be a big one. Uh, man, I love talking to that guy, man. He's, uh, he's a freaking human weapon, but then he talks to you like the most hu humble human being in the world. And, but he's amped up now, man. He's, he's, he's doing his version of trash talk. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, yeah, he, deserve, he deserves a fight. I hope he gets it. The thirty-second line he said uh, a few times, and that's become his, I guess, like go-to uh, jab. But he's still polite, and I think it's interesting that he said, <laughs> you know, that is, uh, he has people around him that wouldn't let him av yeah. avoid fighting the top contenders, and it's, you know, it's frustrating because he could be a star but i mean of course so could tyron woodley sure you know he's in movies and everything he's got that crossover path already going yeah. um and they could build up a rivalry or something together you know yeah. as yeah. opposed to trying to constantly capitalize on other people and i think the undercurrent here for me as well like i'm, I'm torn i think uh stephen thompson clearly deserves a fight and i went even further i think damian Maya also deserves a title fight I, you know like I, and i also i also like i i would disagree with stephen thompson because i'm in a completely different like position than him and i do think that these champions should have almost complete autonomy as 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 to who they're they're fighting if 
if we don't have some like independent legitimate ranking system that that requires it. So I want Tyrone Willie to be able to, to decide, you know, hey, I'm going to try to make as much money as I can because he's earned it like everyone else has earned it. However, I just I wish it wasn't the case that in order for Tyron Woodley to have a chance at making a couple million dollars, that he has to fight these guys that don't haven't earned the shot. Like I wish that wasn't the case. I wish he could fight Stephen Thompson and, and still get paid like he should be. And and Tyron Woodley told us when he was on their show, oh, he sure the did. first episode, that when he becomes the champion, he's gonna call the shots, and nobody he's never gonna have to wait in anybody else again. Which seems to be interesting because he calls out Georgia St. Pierre and Nick Diaz and now they've been talking trash yeah. <laughs> and he might get left out altogether which is frustrating I'm sure for him but the other thing is you you just won the championship and you can build yourself into those huge money fights yeah. by continually winning like John Jones did yeah. over time it's just it's so hard to John Jones is, and like Anderson Silva are like the only and like Ronda Rousey the only people to have long you know, you look at some of these records. Look, go back right. and look like the the longest title reign in like lightweight, or or you know, like it's like I think three or something. Like it's it's hard to do, you know. Right. So Stephen Thompson's right, and maybe if like Woodley won it when he was like twenty three. So, but I I don't know. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I like I I feel where he's coming from. Like time is of the essence, you know. I mean, I'd like to sit here and say that if I was the if I was a newly crowned UFC champion, and I was looking to make my next fight that I would go to the number one contender if I viewed him to be someone as unappealing. Now, I don't personally, me, I don't think Stephen Thompson's unappealing, but we're also, we're, we're also not the casual fan. Right. Um, so, you know, I have a hard time saying that if I was a champion and Nick Diaz of Georgia St. Pierre was out there and I knew that now I get pay-per-view buys right. and I can have a huge payday that like, you know, you're always ultimately looking out for yourself. No in, one else is going in an to. individual sport. Yeah. You know, so I, I'd like to say that I would fight the number one contender, but I mean, it would be a hard decision to yeah. try and think like, do I get this payday right. and like build some financial security? You know, one fight can boost a bank account really well and then get on with fighting. Right, right. Fight the fight the hottest person in the division. Um, the, perhaps the sport. Yeah, perhaps the sport. Right, seven fight win streak. Uh, a guy that can put you out with with one with one punch. A guy who has probably the most difficult, unpredictable style to deal with. Or fight guys coming off of like a year layoff, multiple year layoffs. Guys coming off of a loss. Like yeah, and who, who if you who, wanted to fight those guys, it would be a yeah, it would be it would be on a, yeah, exactly. And oh, you'll make more money doing it. Like well. Okay, like you almost have to. It's it's sad that the state of the sport is that Tyron Woodley almost has to be a masochist to want to fight right. <laughs> Stephen Thompson first instead of these guys like you know Diaz and, and, and Saint Pierre. I don't know that those are easy fights, of course, either. But I get where he's coming from. But of course, I get to see where Stephen Thompson's coming from. It's like a he, tough situation. It, it is. And Stephen Thompson should be making seven figures to be where he has in, in the sport. And and you know, I just want to agree with you uh, emphatically that Stephen Thompson is extremely marketable he's uh, a good-looking dude and he is a human highlight reel film how do you not sell that well, they I can mean, sell george st pierre taking people down they could sell stephen thompson knocking people out but holly holm had that pristine image yeah. and she became marketable of course knocking out ronda rousey helps she wasn't yeah. necessarily marketable for him but that goes back to giving the number one contender or somebody a shot and then being able to prove themselves but also yep. The other thing that I was thinking about when he was talking about the karate school and the the clean image, and he was talking about how that appeals to the parents of the 
yeah. students at a school. It makes me think of like what the WWE does with the PG generation and John Cena. Like, and I know that's just a weird random comparison to make, but there is a market out there yeah. for a clean cut, well-behaved, straight laced kind of person. Sure. And Stephen Thompson fills that mold and you attract like what the WWE so does Tyron Woodley so a number of guys that they probably didn't push yeah well what they're saying in the WWE is, is cyclical is like the, the 80 wrestling in the 80s was kind of that way Hulk mm. Hogan eat your vitamins and then that generation grew up and became teenagers or young adults and that's bred the attitude era and you know then they went to the PG era after that with John Cena and it's to get that young crowd to carry you through the next way so like the UFC has a clinic, a guy who appeals to kids or something, you know, that's maybe somebody you want to give a push to because totally. that brings in the next, you know, totally. And it's a great point. And also you can promote him any way you want, depending on which soundtrack you use, you use some, some violent, crazy, scary music and just show him knocking people's heads off. Boom. Well, and, you know, and then you want to go the other route, show him speaking, you play this interview and show him just being respectful and show him teaching class to kids. Like, you can take the same dude because he's a well-rounded, interesting human being and market him anyway, both ways. You know, it's, it's, it's easy to do. I mean, let's keep Connor and Nate talking trash on ESPN and Fox Sports. Absolutely. Stephen Thompson's a person you can trot out to today or yeah. Good Morning America yeah, or Great those point. kind of things. Great point. You know, there's you, all, all your top people or marketable people don't have to be the same. They don't have yeah. to be this trash-talking Connor McGregor, Chael Sonnen model. Right. Um, you can have... There can be a variety of personalities totally. at the top. Totally. Uh, we've talked a little too long. Luke Rockhold is on hold. Uh-oh. I'm going to be mad. Yes. <laughs> is there, um, Luke, we'll jump in, man. Thanks, thanks for uh, holding on for us, man. Really excited to have you on. Saw on Instagram recently you posted that uh, you actually posted you getting stem cell um, therapy. What did you see and what did you learn about that therapy that made you want to go that route on your injured knee, which was, of course, injured long before even your, your, your title fight at UFC 199, instead of going the route of getting surgery again? That's that's really great to hear. I was going to ask you what the expectation was for when you get back in the gym. We're real happy to hear that you're already back in the gym. Now, I, when I went to visit you at American Kickbox Kickboxing Academy, aka in San Jose, this past spring, uh, when you were in training camp for UFC 199, you know, I didn't know at the time that you had already announced that you had an injured knee on Instagram uh, sometime prior. Um, 
I didn't know that. So it was news to me when I saw your knee braced up, uh, when I saw you sitting out grappling rounds. Um, how bad was your knee at the time? How badly hurt was it? Um, was it a pain thing? Was it an instability thing? And, and why did you decide to to go ahead with what was your, your first middleweight title defense um, and, and continue to go ahead with it, even when your opponent dropped out and you, you had to fight someone on, on very short notice? Well, I, I had a great teacher friend. You know, typically they're four to six weeks and uh, given the time frame I was 11 weeks out and I thought I could work around it and it would heal by the time I would get to the fight that was the idea I tended to push things a little too far and you know as I kept training through it it never healed and I actually ended up trying it worse to a grade three right before the fight just because I, I tried to not kick I wasn't kicking with my left foot and I wasn't grappling tried to push the, understand like what I was capable of and ended up tearing it more and, you know throwing, throwing left kicks basically um, and uh, you know I just thought I could fight through it I fought through a lot of injuries and uh, you know, it, it's tough to say yeah. it was just there's a lot of pressure there's a lot of pressure there's a lot of line going into a, a title fight and, uh, and so there's a lot a lot of people are relying on you You, you talked about things changing. So you were originally scheduled to immediately rematch the person you beat to become middleweight champion, Chris Weidman. Chris Weidman got hurt, and then all of a sudden, Michael Bisping fills in. Now, you had fought Michael Bisping not too long ago, a couple of years ago, and uh, you won decisively. As you pointed out, you, you literally beat him, at least finished him, with one arm. You had a mounted guillotine choke, and you beat Michael Bisping. So now here you are, injured. Uh, new opponent, ten days out, about from your first title defense. I've look. One of the things I've I've said about that last fight, and of course you on you 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 know you ended up losing the title to Bisbing in, in one of the all-time biggest upsets. And I could be wrong about this, but I feel like it would be almost physically impossible in the position you were in, meaning fighting someone who you'd beat decisively not long ago. It would be almost impossible physically not to take that opponent for granted. Even if it happened on a subconscious level, even if you weren't aware of that. Like, you know, I'd imagine, you know, in your mind, even if it was imperceptible to you at the time, you'd erase that threat before, right? You'd eliminated that threat. And here he is in front of you. Did you take him, now looking back on it, did you take that fight for granted? Yeah, no doubt. I, I definitely took him lightly. I, I let my guard down and 
wasn't about winning that fight. It was about going out there and trying to do something more, trying to put on a performance rather than you know doing what I do, what I what I've done, that what's got me here. So I, I've never, you know, given the two weeks notice with Bisping, he came out on short notice and, and I already beat him obviously so decisively. I, I thought I had to go out there and uh, to show something and to prove something. When I, when I just needed to go out there and fight and win, do what I did. Uh, anything can happen in a sport, um, and, I, and I just I let my guard down. I, I've never never gone in there just careless uh, and and try, not trying to uh, follow like the, the least least path of resistance. And I got I, got, I can threaten a guy anywhere in the fight. For me to go out there and then move around and do the things I was doing, it just wasn't like me. And I, I think I got I got distracted. The moment got to me. The stage got to me, and I just. And, and it's a learning experience. Like like all like all losses I've had, I've, I've learned from, I've improved, and I've come back better than ever. And uh, you know, sometimes you just need something to reset you. And I guess this is it. This is Bisping got his, his one in a million shot, and, and uh, anything can happen in this game. You can't take people for granted. Now, Luke, any real fighter or any real competitor of any kind has to have a certain level, a high level, frankly, of arrogance. Um, how, and I'm sure you, you know, I'm sure you've got that in you as well. How much, though, are you surprised by Michael Bisbing's seeming inability to be classy for more than three seconds at a time? I was at that, I was at that UFC 199 fight, right? Uh, saw him after the fight. We all saw how he behaved at the press conference, the things he said, um, names he called you. Um, did the way he acted afterwards, the things he said. Did that surprise you, uh, even even for for Michael Bisping? You know, <laughs> I don't even know anymore with that guy. He's just he's, he's pretty classless. He uh, everything kind of lit my fuse that night. Obviously, uh, from the from immediately after the fight to the press conference and and. Uh, that's a tough one to swallow. Lose to that, that, that fucking guy. And uh, you know, I'm looking forward to getting my redemption. So he just—I tried to give him his respect. I thought he was a was a better person. Obviously, he's not. I think, he, I think his, his true colors came out, and, and they're still coming out. He's just—he's just not. Not my type of people. I'll say that. <laughs> He said he everything about that UFC 199 night lit a fuse in you, Luke. Is is Michael Bisping your number one target when you get back in there to compete, no matter what, no matter if he still has the belt or not, or is the championship your target? Belt's no longer focus. No, I want, I want that belt. Of course, I want Bisping. I want Bisping. I want, I want to. Uh, I want to serve him up for sure. I want to get that one back. I think I, I gifted him, you know, a title shot, and uh, I, I, you know, I hand wrapped that thing and gave it to him. Uh, obviously, I know how vulnerable he is at the top with the, with the amount of guys that, that are out there. So uh, I'm trying not to hold too tightly to that rematch because I know it's it's uh, there's a lot of things that could de- derail that, you know, and, and then fall back and try to chase him rather than get the title would just be stupid. So uh, my, my goal is to get that belt stay on top. It would be sweet. It, 
it would truly be sweet to get him when, he, when he's got the belt. But, uh, you know, I'm rooting for Dan. Dan's my, my guy, and so uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see this, this fight. And, of course, Dan Henderson is, is fighting Michael Bisming uh, in, in Manchester, scheduled to. Uh, for the title um, now Luke I, I don't know why but I, I didn't see the news until probably just a, a month ago that that your father died um, just just days after your last fight and and I'm you know we're both so sorry for your loss I can't even imagine um, what that feels like um, had your dad been been sick for a while before that he'd been sick for, for quite some time and you know his, his situation was was gradually getting worse, um, so we had we had some some breathing changes the week before the fight. So I kind of knew uh, it was getting close. Still in hospice for a little bit. So it's a tough one. It's a tough one to swallow. You know, it's uh, you can't really prepare yourself as much as you try. It's uh, it's, it's different. It's, it's a real situation when your dad goes. So uh, it, it was it was a really tough week. Is this, I mean, is this, there's a lot, it's a lot of loss. That's a lot of loss in a short period of time. And I'm sure, I know, I'm sure your the loss of your father is, is by far the biggest, you know, um, you, but you also lost um, your, your title. And that's not even speaking of the frustration of injury and the pain of that. Uh, has, has this been, is this now been the most challenging time in your entire life, Luke? mentality um it's about, probably about the only you know thing you could be, be thinking of doing uh, Luke, though if, if you don't get an immediate title shot when you come back to competition who do you think deserves it hockaday chris weidman yeah i, I mean i i, I really yeah. I, i've been outspoken about it i like i like the anderson fight i think he's uh i think it's a fight that he's he still proved he's dangerous he went out there and and competed on two days' notice with, with Cormier, the light heavyweight champion, and, you know, and was, was dishing it out, threw some kicks, and might have hurt Cormier for, for a second. And, you know, he, he proved he's still, he's still an opponent you know, at the top of the game. So um, that's a fight that I've always wanted. And, and I know that obviously he doesn't have much time left. I think it, I think it makes a lot of sense considering his controversial loss to Bisbee. Um, and... Uh, in our, in our past, you know, he wanted to fight me in the past. Obviously, my loss to Bisping. So I'll, we go out, we fight that. I decisively beat him and put him away. I think that, that makes a big statement. So I get that. I get the Anderson Silva fight and make a big statement with it. So that's that's what I like in that. Otherwise, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I heard Weidman call me out now too. It's I think uh, yeah, that's 
that interests me. I, I want the fastest route back to the. I want the fastest route back to the title. Is what I want. Mm-hmm. Of course, I want business. I'll be ready to go. Uh, I'll be in shape. I've already started training. And if if, if Dan Dan is an old man and, and things happen, so if, if that were to happen, I'd be there'd be nothing sweeter than coming in on short notice and, and uh, taking my title back from Bisping in Manchester. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Manchester, England. Bisping is uh, is a is a Brit. I imagine that actually be uh, one of the one of the few places where this this uh, bombastic guy would actually have most of the fans rooting for him. So that'd be a hell of a thing to go in there in his uh, in his home turf. I, I somehow I somehow doubt he would. <laughs> Not a lot of people from from over there in the UK like him. He seems to rub people wrong on all sides of the globe, even his own. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to uh, be in Europe. Uh, turns out when that fight's happening, not necessarily in England. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to go to that or not. Uh, but, uh, man, if that were to happen, if, if Luke were to get on that, if you were to get on that, uh, that card, it might have to be something that I'd have to swing through for. Uh, switching back to some upcoming fights, um, I, I saw, we saw you in, uh, in Vegas last month for some of those events, and one of them, uh, I know Nate Diaz and his coach Richard Perez were sitting uh, near you. I, I know from uh, being out there with those guys a, a little bit, uh, they have a lot of respect for you. How do you see Nate versus Connor two at uh, UFC two hundred two going, Luke? Yeah, I like the Stockton boys. You know, more Kyle love over here. Um, you know, I always respected his style. And uh, his heart, I did, I did fight scrap, and they uh, are two fighters. So um, uh, I'm excited to see this rematch. I, I think Nate given a proper camp, and uh, I think I think he'll be a, a bigger fighter. I think he'll be more prepared. I mean, he's off a boat. I know Nate. I know his situation going into that. So. Yeah. Uh, I think he's just going to be more dialed in. I think he's going to use his reach, his length, and kind of pepper up Connor. Connor, Connor, I believe, is going to be more reserved. I think he's going to try to conserve his energy more. But I think that we'll just play against him. I think that was what helped him get to Nate in the first place in the fight. And I think, you know, playing a little more reserved game, I think it'll be more, and even in Nate's favor, it's just so long and, and uh, tactical. So, I think I see Nate wearing him down and getting him to later out. What a how the first fight went. You got a great analytical mind there, Luke. I got to ask you then uh, to break down uh, another fight on that card, the light heavyweight title contender eliminator fight. Lover Teixeira, Anthony Johnson, the winner probably getting, uh, hopefully getting a shot at your teammate and friend, uh, Daniel Cormier. How do you see that one going down? Uh, we'll see. 
All I know is that that first round is going to be there's going to be fireworks and there's going to be some blows exchanged. I kind of, given Anthony's wrestling background, I, I, I kind of favor him a little bit, um, uh, just with power and uh, and he's a little crisper. He's a little more dynamic on the feet, and uh, and uh, we'll see if Glover can get the takedown. That's that's the big question mark. Well, there you got it. Uh, analysis on a whole lot of landscapes from uh, from Luke Rockhold. Luke, uh, awesome to have you on, man. I can't wait to have him on again, uh, hopefully when he's got uh, his next fight announced. Right, Mike? Yeah, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out to, to join us. Uh, middleweight division, also really interesting. Oh, yeah. See who he fights next and yeah. uh, who Weidman fights next. Do they fight each other? I mean, there's just endless. Yeah, I, he called out Anderson Silva. That's yeah. cool. He's saying he's he, he kind of put a jinx on Dan Henderson. If Dan Henderson gets uh, gets injured, he's ready to step in in Manchester. Uh, that's some uh, that's some news, man. He was just just back in the gym the other day. That's crazy. It's it's going to be interesting to watch the end of the year yeah. play out in the UFC for sure. It definitely will be. It definitely will be. And uh, you know, I I appreciate Luke talking about some some other stuff too. You know, I'm um, talking about his father dying. I mean, to, to lose your title after a training camp where you were injured and then your dad has been sick for a long time, to go into that fight with him in hospice and then from the die later in the week, I mean, just, you know, all the trash talk aside and, you know, uh, you know the, these guys and the girls, they, they're in real-life situations and they got to go to work like everyone else, you know, even when things aren't going well. You know, I, Luke, Luke has a reputation for being aloof and, and arrogant and stuff, but I, I always feel like... Um, He's real earnest when you talk with him, uh, and uh, I, I saw him in in another light when I was uh, up there and uh, at San Jose, and, and saw the leadership role and the type of you talked about mentoring in the gym. You know, he he was there training for a camp and he was running practice like it was him and Cain Velasquez's practice basically. Like all that is to say that I think he's he's a thoughtful dude. Uh, I appreciate him going into all sorts of stuff even outside of the. The fight world, because it's not like he's my, you know, it's not like we're friends, you know, for him to talk about that personal stuff with us, that's, um, uh, you know, that, that says a lot, and um, it was, it, it, you talked about, you know, multiple facets of people's life and seeing, hearing about people's struggles and, 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 um, and having it make their story uh, mean something more to you, I mean, that certainly, that certainly makes, makes his story mean a whole lot more to me. Yeah, and it's something you can't... Um we can't help but feel bad. Maybe yeah. that's the wrong way to phrase it, but uh, about how his summer played out. Yeah. Um, but it seems like he's keeping the right attitude and focusing on just moving forward, which is, you know, what all basically you can do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, very open, yeah. very honest, willing to talk about anything. Yeah. Uh, talk about mistakes he felt he made. Like that's not an easy thing for someone to do. Yeah, and. You know, the the whole Bisping ordeal was just a madhouse to watch unfold. Like, afterwards, the press conference, yeah. even, even in the cage, uh, you know, it was just, just madness. So, um, surely, he, I'm sure he's tired of talking about it. Yeah. You, know, you hear Chris Weidman uh, said, say earlier in the week, I think it was on Ariel Show, that... Uh, it's almost embarrassing to have to say Michael Bisping's the champion of the, his division, but <clears throat> you know, 
very open, very analytical. Yeah. Hearing him break down the fights was particularly fascinating. Yeah, that was pretty good. We should we should try to beg him to come on and do that more. Yeah, <laughs> he has a good mind be, for it. He's a, be, be the guest analyst. That's yeah. right, Luke's Luke's corner. He's uh, nah, he's a smart dude. We could do like the Fox Sports thing and just keep bringing like fighters in and have them. Like, oh, join no, the desk. I actually. Now it's done. We're gonna do that. Yeah. Look, look forward to that. More, more fight breakdowns from uh, top fighters. We'll yeah, we'll, we'll just Skype. We'll just Skype Luke in, and we'll let him. You know, we'll maybe we'll get like a telestrator, yeah. and he can draw for us. That that would be that'd be awesome, man. Uh, we should we should do that. You know, and and to a little teaser, um, you know, off uh, off the air. You know, we we're always setting up you know future guests and stuff, and we're we're so fortunate. We've had um, a bunch of top fighters and coaches hit us up and be like give us kind words and, and say they want to be on. And uh, so, yeah, look forward to some really, some really more, uh, some really great analysis, some more of it from, from uh, top experts. Me and Mike just do our best to pretend, but we, we, we try to bring you guys the, the best, uh, the best real experts uh, in analytical minds, you know? I like to think that I bring the wit and then you bring the analysis. I think that's like our... I, I'm definitely not witty, so I hope you are bringing it. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm, if I'm succeeding. No, you, you but are. That's what I you are. You're bringing that and, 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 the, uh, and the impressive facial hair. But yeah. watching on video. And you yeah. should be watching a video. Exactly. This is a handsome mother effer. Yeah, I actually, uh, a while back, uh, UFC 192 interviewed Tyron Woodley and we come we compared beer tit beer that, tips that, that video is floating out there on the internet that's somewhere. awesome find uh, it but the response from the fighters that we've had on and fighters who've expressed willingness to come on yeah. has been great and encouraging and uh everybody tuning in and listening and watching the videos um has been very very greatly appreciated uh, we appreciate all the positive feedback we've gotten on social media um and just to remind everybody once more you can get it in iTunes. You can get it in the Google Play Store. If you have an Android, there's like maybe five of you. Um, it's also in the TuneIn app, and we're looking to branch out and get it into other podcast apps. Uh, but we also upload the video to Fansided. We also upload it to YouTube. Um, sometimes the process is a little longer to get it onto YouTube, but we're going to get it up regularly uh, Monday mid-afternoon on Fansided.com. Uh, so that you can watch that. We'll tweet it out from the account. So make sure to ch uh, check that. We also have uh, SoundCloud where we're going to be uploading all the audio as well. So there's lots of ways for you to follow whichever suits your life or the way that you consume digital media best. Uh, we're trying to make it as easy for you as possible. And if you like it, we also really appreciate those five-star reviews on, uh, yes. on, on iTunes. We are not above asking for five-star No, no, no. I'll, I'll, I'll ask again. Uh, I'll ask tomorrow. I'll ask Tuesday. It's, it feels good, man. I, I like any any superficial uh, uh, <laughs> any superficial accolades that I can get. No, no, we really appreciate you guys. We've gotten a number of those, and we really appreciate it. It means a lot. We we try our best here. Mostly Mike doing the hard work, and uh, and uh, it, it feels good to see you guys listening. And uh, just to remind everybody, next week we got a lot of Bellator 160 lineup coming. Uh, we'll also be talking uh, UFC 202, what happens that weekend. We'll be breaking that down. Uh, as always, always working on future guests. So uh, next week's show could be very entertaining based on what happens. Who knows? Yeah. And uh, um, I'll be in Vegas, so maybe we'll get some behind-the-scenes sound bites or other stuff to uh, to share that we'll, we'll hold off. Um, but it'll be an interesting show, so... Oh, it, it definitely it. will. I'm I'm holding out for the uh, the video footage of uh, USADA drug testing that you're going to get there. Yeah. Uh, never before 
Never before that'd seen be, drug testing. That'd, uh, <laughs> that'd be a great column idea. Journalist goes to the USADA drug testing process. Has to watch as well. I think that would be interesting. It wouldn't be great maybe in the written form, but it'd be great in video form. Like to have like a video <laughs> of like going through the process. Though, though Conor McGregor as well. Uh, blossoming media empire has already yeah. kind of done a video. We talked about that. that last that's week. true. But, but no journalist has had uh, a gun pulled on them by Tim Kennedy while what, while trying to get a that's collection true. sample. That's so, true. So you could be the first. Yeah. You'd be the first Tim Kennedy. Go uh, get that, to Vegas. That'd be the, the third ice cube in a uh, Kevin Hart movie right along three. You saw that edition. Oh. Get a drug hey, sample from. If st- anyone can do Photoshop well, I can't. Let's let's work on that movie poster. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a great movie <laughs> be poster. So good. Best movie poster of all time. <laughs> Anyways, we've talked long enough. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, till next Monday, where we'll be coming at you early afternoon. We promise we've worked out some technical difficulties, so we'll be coming at the regular time. Um, thank you for bearing with us. He means he's gotten me to wake up earlier on Mondays, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm gonna wake up before noon, and we'll try to get it done. Thank you, guys. Thank <laughs> you.